You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. This is Daoud with you on this week's Care Michigan Podcast. And with me are my two colleagues, Asha and Amy. Assalamu alaikum. So I know that um, many of the listeners know that I started a, uh, a campaign a little over five years ago and discussing openly and using Care Michigan's platform to amplify it, but dealing with the issue of intra-Muslim racism, right? So we as Muslims, we talk about the issue of xenophobia and Islamophobia uh, that are perpetrated against Muslims by people who are not Muslims, but then uh, what about that internal uh, dichotomy sometimes that we have or that lack of integrity where we have varying forms of racism and tribalism within inside of ourselves as Muslims where we, on the one hand, complain about how other folks deal with us, but then we show ethnic and racial bigotry and even colorism within inside of our own uh, community. Uh, we also know that uh, after that um, campaign that uh, was started relating to the word uh, Abid and how it was uh, used profusely in Dearborn. And I don't hear it used as much as I used to, but how it was profusely used then. Uh, we know that after, uh, I think like about four or five years ago, the uh, Muslim Anti-Racism Collaborative started um, and has been operating for a number of years now to address uh, intra-Muslim uh, racism. So that's one problem that we have uh, in our community. Uh, but then we also have a dual issue, and actually uh, I'm going to start off with uh, with Aisha talking about that, that on the one hand we have the racism inside of our community, and of course there's anti-blackness, there's other forms of internal racism inside the Muslim community, but then we also have the black orientalists, who uh, have Islamophobia and um, propagate uh, anti-Muslim uh, tropes in uh, ranging from so-called academic discourse to even uh, so-called comedy, right? So you know, there's there's two different things that we want to deal with the show. Can you update us uh, relating this, this last uh, issue uh, relating to uh, black orientalism and something that happened recently, uh, Asha? Absolutely. Uh, first, you know, uh, before that, I want to shout out uh, Muslim Arc, Muslim Anti-Racism Collaborative for doing amazing work internally within our community and outside of our community to highlight, um, as Dawood said, intra-community conflicts around anti-blackness, colorism, racism, and, and so on and so forth. As it, But then jumping to black orientalism um there was a recent issue with just hilarious who is an african-american up-and-coming comedian and she recently uh was involved in an incident where uh she complained about uh four sick men who were wearing uh turbans assumed that they were muslim and you know lamented about her, uh, feeling unsafe uh, those men were eventually taken off of the plane and this is, you know, coming only not even a full day after the New Zealand uh, massacre. And so 
understandably so, there has been a lot of outrage with her commentary, her Islamophobia, her xenophobia, and just, you know, just complete disregard for the socio-political climate that we are in, um, and, and really in poor taste following uh, what happened in New Zealand uh, just less than 24 hours before that. Um, and so following this story, a lot of folks are, you know, confused about how to complete how to adequately describe what Jess represents um, without also employing or deploying uh, anti-blackness and so I think that it's important to note that black people can be Islamophobic even though one third of the American Muslim community is of African descent Um, there has been Islamophobia present within the black community and in spaces uh, and the commentary that uh, Jess made isn't, you know, in a vacuum. It's not isolated, unfortunately. And, um, and, and, you know, her first response was, well, I'm not racist. And uh, there, you know, black there are muslims in my family so on and so forth and i kind of sound like some some of my best friends are black yeah no no you're fine i was just you know about to say that i was kind of (laughs) chuckling like okay well that sounds very familiar you know it sounds like well i've got some black friends um and this is only after there was massive backlash against her right we don't know if she would have said anything had it been business as usual but because there is you know sort of a shift in um what is right and what is wrong and and really treating and um i think people wanting to treat people with dignity especially those on the left um and so i think that she didn't expect the backlash from a lot of black people who are also non-muslim um and from a lot of muslims who now have larger uh platforms and profiles uh than they ever have really um and so i think it's created a really robust discourse around black orientalism and what that looks like um you know in the same vein we can think of people like ben carson we can even think of you know people we kind of like like trevor noah like we like him i like him but i've watched some of his skits and he's you know uh made jokes about airplanes blowing up and muslims and you know things of that nature and those things i think trevor noah's whack but anyway okay but generally speaking muslims for the most part like him because he seems to give a platform to muslims like you know dali magahed ilhan omar and many others um but if we really pay attention to his commentary he has made you know deeply islamophobic and xenophobic uh, uh, commentary and so i think that uh it gets kind of to this funny blurry line of what's just being funny and what's harmful because uh, you know the two people i just mentioned are comedians so right. uh, you know people want to give them a little bit more wiggle room uh, i would disagree with that but again i think it's important to look at how black people can also perpetuate um anti-muslim um commentary and xenophobic commentary but i do want to point out that some non-black people have used this as um not an excuse but yeah have used this situation with jess as an excuse to say see it's not only white people who can be racist towards us and i think that's a deeply problematic frame to look at it because racism is power plus prejudice and just as a black woman in america does not yield that sort of power um 
to employ or deploy that prejudice um what she is saying is prejudice what she did was bigoted and hateful but to ascribe the word race or racist to her um it it just doesn't apply but those are just my two cents on black orientalism well i I think it's problematic in general to discuss muslims as a race but that's another another topic i think um amy i regarding um this issue i think you have a, a a different vantage point from uh, Asha and myself because we uh, are Muslim but we're also black and there's a sizable amount of of Muslims uh, who are black in the Muslim community right so at least we have some massage in some circles uh, where we can walk in with inside the Muslim community and we're the majority right so you have the the issue of hearing uh, Islamophobia from white folks, you yourself are white, but your husband is an immigrant from West Africa. So you're a minority within the community, the Muslim community, except no matter where you go, you have children who are black, who are subjected to anti-black racism. Uh, so you have a, I don't I don't know how it feels to be you, but it's it's the the issue of you, you hear this, black orientalism like what asha was just explaining uh you hear the islamophobia from the broader american society the the dominant culture the white society and then you come into the muslim community and you hear whispers and things saying stuff to you because your husband is is ivorian from the ivory coast so you're like you're getting it from like three different sides yeah, so um, I like to make a joke, but it's only like a half joke that everybody has their masjid except for white converts. We don't have our we don't we don't have our own masjid. So like our community is dispersed amongst all of the the, the other communities. Um, so there's there's that. So the way I view different things has a lot to do with I don't like with my whiteness, right? So like. Uh, I understand things on, on different perspectives because I understand um, the privilege that I had as a white, I have or had had as a white person. And I understand the complicity that comes with that if you are, sit in your privilege, right? As opposed to like trying to use um, use my privilege to make space for other people who are having issues or in in using my privilege to dismantle those racist structures that that tend to get people down. But I also have the other aspect of it where um, I also don't fit in anywhere inside of the Muslim community, 100% um, anywhere. And uh, having children that are biracial in, in the Muslim community has created some internal... Um, questions for my especially my oldest oldest daughter right so and 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 that's something because she she goes in these different spaces and somebody's always trying to guess what she is and african-american or african is not normally what they would guess like people assume that she's um arab she's been called yemeni people assume that she is daisy i had somebody yesterday ask me say oh i thought your daughter was a south asian and i said mm. and i said no she's like i didn't notice until i saw your son because my son is doesn't cover his hair and he's got very curly hair right and um more at what i would consider african-american features he's more readily identified as, as as somebody who's biracial as opposed to my daughter right so when you know we've, we face questions from different communities like how how like 
is that your those are your kids did you adopt like especially when I'm not out with my husband or and they have a sometimes a hard understanding assuming some people assume that I'm that I'm Arab because I cover yeah the hijab definitely racializes yeah people. so and and so and you've seen it like people don't assume that an Arab is married to an, an African necessarily so it, it's 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 problematic because it's very rare actually <laughs> yeah so it, it's it's um what? Huh? for what for it, it, it's, it's rare in Metro Problem Detroit to see an Arab woman married to an African-American Muslim man it's, yeah. it's very rare and maybe here yeah, yes. it's, it's rare here. Yeah, in this area, I think I yeah. think it is. I can't speak to other areas. Well, I mean, it's part of the issue that I want to get to, but uh, I think it's a good segue because our Muslim community here in Metropolitan Detroit mirrors the hyper-segregation of the broader society, right? Mm-hmm. Like we have Dearborn, and then you have uh, even amongst the Arabs in Dearborn, South Dearborn is majority Yemeni, and like other people who... Uh, Iraqis don't live down there, are Lebanese. And you have the Iraqi section in Warrendale, and the Lebanese and Palestinians live in another area, right? And then you have uh, Hamtramck that has its own situation. You have the actual city of Detroit. Then you have the Brightmoor-ish area, which is the Muslims are predominantly West African immigrants. So we have a type of hyper-segregated um, situation here. But, um, I mean... There's spiritual consequences for us segregating ourselves in ways that are unhealthy, but uh, as a community for us to organize and mobilize for our own rights and our own survival, if we're looking at it from a political, social-political perspective, it's not a good look for Muslims to discriminate against other Muslims for us to segregate each other into these ethnic and, 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 uh, and um, these, what's the other word I'm looking for? ethnic and class silos, right, where we don't even regularly socialize or do things together. And then it comes to the detriment of all of us when there's a Muslim ban executive order or when they're trying to pass, hopefully they don't try it again, but anti-Sharia legislation, they've tried to pass it several times here in Michigan. We have the anti-BDS legislation that passed in lame duck, the other issues that we have of mobilizing our community uh but we have people who think that they're more muslim than other muslims right so uh but it's to the detriment of all of us sure so one of the problems that uh, that i see as an organizer uh, like within this space is we can, we don't have a collective voice right we have a fragmented voice and we're putting band-aids on issues that affect each community the muslim ban affects a very specific sect of the muslim community based on like where you're where you're from right and we if if we came together and we understood that all of these things that they're doing to these different communities really really affect the muslim community as a whole and really harm our muslim identity then we could collectively work together to solve all of the small issues and further and the advancement of our peoples. And I, I feel like that's really what we're missing. When, when and, and Asha, correct me if I'm wrong because I know this is really your area, but I feel like that's really what we're missing is is this collective collectivity towards like activism and advancement. Do you mean like in terms of just this topic or just like in general? I'm, I, I think. 
both really because we have segregated ourselves off so so much that we can't it's really hard to effectuate yeah. change right no i mean i completely agree there is high levels of spatial racism in the metro detroit area and peter hammer has written a lot about this and shared a lot about uh this uh particular uh topic and we've co-presented on this um and at and of course, because the Muslim community, as you mentioned, doesn't exist in a vacuum, uh, we're impacted by this high levels of segregation. Um, you know, it's been mentioned before that this country is more segregated today than it was uh, before the civil rights movement. Yep. Um, and so we see that here in a really hyper present way in Metro Detroit. It does impact organizing. It does impact our cohesiveness in the community, does impact issues of anti-blackness, colorism, otherization, so on and so forth. It impacts economic interests. It impacts upward mobility, marriage prospects, which is a really weird topic but it does intersect with this um in a very peculiar way um so yeah i would totally agree that's that so for the muslim community um and i think that we need to have another episode on this and probably bring on uh session namira or someone else from muslim arc to discuss this in uh in some more particulars of on the ground actually in masajid but i will say uh, this as we close that Almighty God tells us in the Quran do you enjoin piety for other people but forget it for yourselves yet you recite the book do you not have intelligence it's a verse in the Quran where Allah is asking a rhetorical question right so do you complain Muslims about anti-Arab and anti-South Asian racism? Do you complain about xenophobia? Do you complain about Islamophobia? But then you forget to address racism with inside of yourselves? Like I'm giving like a Detroit 2019 TEFs here, right? Do you complain about racism, but you practice it yourselves or you let it live amongst yourselves? And yet you recite the book, don't you have any sense don't you see that Allah, that Almighty God doesn't bless a community when they're crying and talking about racism from the broader society, yet they allow it to exist and don't proactively talk about it and try to dismantle it with inside of themselves, right? So that is the, the moral challenge for uh, us as a Muslim community. Yes, we, we do face problems from the outside, but uh, we have to fix ourselves. And, and, and the Quran also says this, that surely God will not change what's inside of a people until they change what's inside themselves. They won't, that God won't change the condition of a people until they change what's inside themselves. So uh, we have some internal work that we need to do uh, regarding this issue. And I challenge community leaders that are listening to this right now that don't act like you don't have a problem or there's zero problem with inside the Muslim community say no just like Muslims have problems on the individual level of riba like we're not a post backbiting community we're not a post gossip community we're not a post zina community we're not a post drinking or using drugs community that we have individual doing this well not only do we have individuals but we have certain institutional issues of racism inside the community and we need to be honest and try to address those. And I suggest that for those of you who are listening, part of your MSAs, 
uh, your weekend schools, student groups, your massagette to go to Muslim Arc's website. I also to, sorry to, to I, I know I know we're closing up, but I just ahead. want to jump in because oftentimes we look at um, and not us in this room, but in general that you know, anti-blackness within the Muslim community isn't as harmful as some of the things that are happening on the outside. Um, and and it just reminded me, because you said, you know, we should talk about this in our schools. We just heard last year a young seven-year-old black child, you know, in an Islamic school committed suicide because of anti-black racism she yep. was facing. Um, and so, and this isn't an isolated situation. So I, I want people to really look at the gravity of this situation, that it's real, it's real life consequences to it. Um, and this is why there are a lot of MSAs uh, around the country uh, who have, or a lot of black Muslim students, I would rather say around the country, who've made their own MSAs, who've made their own collectives, their own spaces, um, their own massages. And and I, on a personal level, see no issue with that because when you are targeted, the natural thing is to create your own spaces. Um, I don't think that's a forever kind of standpoint, but I think in terms of preservation and safety, it is what is necessary for right now. It's just my two cents. Oh, thank you. And uh, we actually know of an issue of a uh, young Snugglies girl about two and a half years ago that actually was suicidal and we know her, oh, yeah. we all know her mother mm -hmm. uh, who was feeling suicidal because she was being picked on at an Islamic school mm -hmm. uh, she's a Senegalese girl in a school that was uh, basically they're all Arabs and they were teasing her um, about her uh, background also her, her her locks or her dreadlocks that she wore underneath her her hijab so um, it, mm -hmm. it is it is uh is a life or death issue for some people or, you know, drives people to feeling suicidal and uh, is also anti-black racism has caused also some new converts to literally leave the religion, to leave mm -hmm. the dean. So we, we have to understand that this is a, it's, it's not just something that is abstract, it is something that is real and it is a spiritual as well as a physical threat. But again, I will close out uh, and repeat myself again for those student groups, uh, MSAs, uh, student groups, uh, youth groups in Massaget, uh, as well as the Massaget, I uh, suggest for you to look at the resources and go online and, and check out uh, Muslim Arc's website. With that, uh, we close and we thank you very much for listening and we will catch you next week on CARE Michigan's podcast. Assalamu alaikum. You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network.